You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 15, Rent Lives, a chat with Michelle Fife. Chicago, a criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in its terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast coming at you again. I am Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And we're back again for another episode. And this one is a, is a fairly special episode. We've got another guest interview coming up later. Michelle Fife will be here um, talking about his work on the Savage Dragon Funnies, as well his, as his creator-owned work on uh, Copra and uh, Zagus. But more about that later. So we're going to get right into uh, Eric Larson news. Eric, Eric Larson will be a guest at the uh, 2013 Arizona Comic Mini Expo. Um, it will be occurring on Free Comic Book Day, May 4th, at Samurai Comics in Mesa, Arizona. Yes. Special yeah. guests include Eric Corey Walker and Eric uh, Canetti, who I do not know. Eric Canetti, he's awesome. He's he's done a few little things uh, here and there. Um I can't think of uh, off the top of my head what he's done, but his artwork is like it's amazing. I look him up, but it's uh, his last name's spelled C A N E T E. Um, but he's done a, a couple of Marvel things and a Dark Horse book with uh, Rick Remenda. And, Definitely uh, Google him for sure. Yeah, yeah, his artwork is insane. And Corey Walker and Eric Larson, all three of those guys, that, those guys at that comic book store, are lucky guys to have that for their free comic book day. Uh, I see something here about exclusives, unique items, and original artwork for sale. No, original artwork will be on display, so mm-hmm. not for sale. But Eric and Corey are artists, so I'm sure they'll be doing – and the other Eric will, are artists, so they'll probably be doing sketches and what have you. Right, right. So if you're in the Arizona era, area, it's probably worth a trip. Well, you could definitely go to that uh, acmecon.wordpress.com for more information on that. Uh, moving along, uh, Eric Larson also posted the uh, cover to Savage Dragon number 188. Uh, Got to think this one was probably held back because of the big reveal, but uh, it's an exciting cover. Got kind of a retro logo. Uh, Larson commented that Savage Dragon 188 is another retro cover. Not sure yet if he will beat up the uh, cover as with previous retro covers. And of course, he's uh, put both versions on there, the clean and slick untouched version and uh, the version with the aged effects, torn pages, uh, slightly yellowed colors, things like that. I'm personally for clean and slick. Craig? Yeah, I, I like the, the clean version. I mean, he's he's done the retro version, I think, on three different covers now. And the if You can go to dragonfan.net uh, to see the two different covers, but um, it's a gorgeous cover. It really is. Like The way he draws the claw is just cool. Well, we should talk about what's neat. on the cover. It's got. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. we got a, No, it's okay. It's got a giant-sized claw <laughs> who is a character who will be introduced in this 
current issue that we'll be reviewing later, who's kind of like this Golden Age-type uh, Mandarin-type like, character. He's like Daredevil's arch nemesis, right? He is definitely Daredevil's Lex Luthor. And he has the power to gr- shapeshift, uh, size shift, I believe, because on the cover yes. he's a giant and he's punching the ground and Malcolm and Daredevil are kind of dodging away. Definitely, uh, you know, like Craig said, go to Dragon Fan. Dot net and check out both covers you know voice your opinion i'm gonna i was originally in the retro camp but you know after seeing <laughs> them side by side i gotta say keep it clean you know it looks great it's a good it's got a really cool retro logo for savage dragon yeah it's the old silver streak logo it looks great savage dragon style yeah with the savage dragon my, my, my rationale for the clean look is that i feel golden age comics weren't originally published beat up so <laughs> Fair enough. They just got that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's a really cool cover. I don't. Oh yeah, it's I, nice. And actually, I don't I, think it needs those effects. It's just, it's one of the cooler looking dragon covers. I think honestly. One thing I am curious about because uh, the claw is a, a, a giant growing character is if uh, Rita will get a swing at him or, at some point. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Yeah. So moving on, we should actually we should talk about the latest issue of Savage Dragon, issue 184. We are a bit behind on the review. It's been out for nearly a month now. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer by the time this uh, episode gets posted. Not that much longer. Hopefully I'll have it <laughs> next week. But uh, this is the issue, of course, uh, right after Savage Dragon has returned from space. And the cover, of course, has got that stark red and white uh, image of... Uh, dragon looking at a shadow with the words savage dragon on trial so this is the big kickoff of the big savage dragon on trial arc what's black white and red all over the cover to 184 (laughs) good one raven ain't true so i mean it's a really neat cover because of how the um uh little uh like how, how do i even describe it i'm not an artist like the way he uses blacks, he's got the little scrape the marks. The splatter. In it. Oh yeah, the scratches and mm-hmm. kind of gives it a really dirty ink splattery look. Looks yeah, like a nineteen seventies kind of horror movie or spaghetti western type poster. The way the the font is in my eyes. I don't know if you guys see that. But I'm seeing that now that you mentioned it. It does. It's definitely, definitely that. got a really good cinematic look. Yeah. 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 Right off the bat in the in, in the issue, uh, we pick up right where the last issue left off after Dragon KO'd uh, Overlord, Akka, Flash Mercury. Captain Stewart has just dropped the bombshell that Dragon is now under arrest. Do you see someone on, on uh, the Savage Dragon forum pointed this out, and I thought it was kind of funny because I missed it, but on the very first page in the third panel, and you know, Captain Stewart's basically like, I'm going to have to you know, bring you in, Dragon. You see in the background, you see Daredevil kind of just sneaking away. Yeah, <laughs> just sort of making his way, you know. Like, oh, I'm out of here, see ya. <laughs> no place for a vigilante. <laughs> Might have to fill out a witness report. <laughs> but, uh, th- but, this- but of course, uh, Stewart's got to arrest Dragon because of uh, all the death and destruction that Emperor Kerr ca- caused. And, of course, Dragon... You know, has the same face, so... Crimes against humanity. Yeah. Huge body counts. <laughs> um, Dragon, being the upstanding citizen that he is, immediately turns himself in, uh, because he does not... Because running away would be breaking the law. 
Um, his kids aren't very impressed by it. <laughs> they think he should run off and escape and what have you, but he's very. he then gets very disappointed in them. You know, he, he thought he taught him better than that. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, he ultimately leaves with Captain Stewart, but um, one of the cooler splash, splash pages in the issue comes up where it's uh, we get to see Powerhouse again and uh, just him going through the, the, the hood of the, the, the cop cruiser. car is pretty cool. Excellent uh-huh. shocker. Like, I really felt like that scene was done. Then, bam, you flip the page, Powerhouse. Boom! <laughs> Rips the door off and pulls uh, Overlord right out of the well, Flash Mercury, I guess, in the Overlord uh, outfit. Pulls him right out of the back seat. Tosses. Well, that's that's, a, that's one thing about this uh, the page. It's a little odd. Is that of course we J- Dragon and Stewart just got into a police cruiser and drove off. I wonder if we we're immediately supposed to think that it was Dragon's car that got kicked in. Oh yeah, I'm not sure. There was that moment of doubt. I mean, for me, when I was reading it, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, you know, that's a what? And then, you know, he makes it clear once you start reading the, uh, you know, word balloons and whatnot, you realize it's a rescue mission. But right. yeah, for just that moment, you have that uh, where you're not really sure who Powerhouse is attacking. And you're not really sure of why Powerhouse is saving Flash Mercury, you know? Is, has he been on Flash Mercury's side the whole time or? Right. You know, what is in it for Powerhouse, and why is he saving him? Of course, uh, I think uh, Powerhouse is wondering why he's saving him a little bit, too. Exactly. Uh, You really put your foot in it this time, Flash. I don't know why I'm doing this. Right, right. Which is, again, it's interesting foreshadowing just because... Now that, you know, I guess Powerhouse, you know, was established as a potential overlord, then it's cleared that it's Flash. But, you know, it's really great because it sort of lets people know that, you know, their relationship, what exactly was going on there as far as who's partnered with who or what, you know, is still there's still a little bit more to that to go. So interesting, you know, seed put there at least. At the very least, we learned Flash Mercury is not going to jail right away. And in yeah. fact, the Overlord armor may or may not be, you know, usable. Powerhouse comments on. Right, right. And I, I like the next scene where you know Dragon's in the back of the cruiser, Captain Stewart's driving, and they hear over uh, the walkie-talkie. They hear the, you know, the alert about you know Chicken Man. Who, you know, Dragon's like, I'm guessing they're talking about Powerhouse. And I like the, the scene where he's like, You want a hand with that? And then it's just one panel of just Captain Stewart, and it's like he's thinking about it for a second. And then he's like, oh, I think it might be better if you didn't. But I like that panel where he's just kind of looking straight ahead, driving, and not saying anything. It's like he's mulling it over, and it's like, nah, we can't. we gotta, we got to bring you in. One thing I'm a little curious about is how Captain Stewart knows that Dark Lord blew Dragon to bits at one time. Because I didn't think that was public knowledge. I thought that happened away. Um, Everybody? I don't know. It might have been something that Dragon told his kids when he visited by hologram a while back. I can't remember. I think it was public knowledge, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it was known. Because I feel like when, like, you know, Overlord blew him to bits that... uh, I feel like that's when they decided to kick into the plane to try to revive the body. Yeah. I'd have to look back, though. Someone on the forum, correct us. (laughs) Please. 
Wait, did I say Overlord? I meant Dark Lord. I think you said Dark Lord. I thought I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what? Good point. Dark Lord blew you to bits. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to speculate about that bit later. Yeah, good point. Uh, good point. <laughs> I am thinking maybe that was meant to be Overlord. Yeah. Overlord makes more sense than Dark Lord. Well, no, that's so. the thing. He talks about Overlord blowing his brains out in the same panel. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah, good No, I think he really meant Dark Lord. There was that, you know, when Dark Lord went back and... and... Well, they went back in time. When, when, when Dragon killed Kerr and changed the past, that's when Dark Lord blasted him with his eye lasers and blew... And basically, we thought Dragon was dead dead. Yeah. And I don't... I, th- I thought that happened up on Vanguard's uh, spaceship. You gotta happened. think that Overlord and Dark Lord probably have these same problems with, like, restaurant reservations and stuff. <laughs> Damn it, it was Dark Lord, not over! <laughs> See, they, they, they should be... They, at some point, they should merge into one character, and they should just call themselves Overdark. <laughs> Dark Overlord, Lord Overdark. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, Moving Frank along. And Frank and Tierra are having a talk, and you don't really know what's the scoop. They kind of look a little uh, lovey-dovey there. And what's uh, Sailor Outfit's uh, name? Uh, Maxine. Maxine. Maxine is looking on. So, yeah, you can definitely tell Frank and Tierra's conversation. Eh, Probably not something uh, good, but we find that out soon enough. So Dragon's in some Supermax prison with steel walls because uh, he's a superhuman. I wonder if he's in, um, oh, what's the name of that place? It always shows up in Invincible. And Dragon. Now Stronghold. Stronghold State Penitentiary. Well, yeah, that started in Dragon, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's where all the breakouts always happen. Can yeah, I ask? Kinda... Go ahead. Can I ask, is this, uh, does Dragon have a consistent lawyer? Because I love that idea. Wouldn't you <laughs> hate know. to be his lawyer? Yeah. I, I, yeah, think right? that, I think Gavin or somebody created a Wiki, uh, the Dragon Wikipedia page for the lawyer, and I think he's had previous appearances. He might have been the lawyer when... Oh, what was it? Yeah, when he was drawing up his uh, living will, if uh, if he died, that the darlings would take care of his kids. Yeah. I think that lawyer was the same lawyer. I just huh. love the idea of this poor bastard who, you know, in this, like, throughout this, even this page, just to hear him run over, like, how he's got to try and defend Dragon. He's like, kill all human life on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make it better. Yeah, his name's Smith, right? Yeah. Come on, Smith. It wasn't he's, me. He's appeared in 142, 153, and 184. I want to say Smith probably had hair before he was uh, Smith is he's the lawyer who helped uh, deal with the fallout of uh, Dragon Killing Solar Man as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he put him in charge of uh, making the Darlings uh, the Guardians of Malcolm and Angel. So, yeah, he's... Uh, He's been around. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> Good old Smith. <laughs> and this episode, he pretty much just goes around and interviews all of Dragon's family about what happened, and it's just pretty bizarro. Just imagine hearing these answers. No, none of this helps. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me this. So uh, we, we cut back to the police, de- uh, the police department. Malcolm's talking with Stuart, trying to uh, figure out what he can do to help his father, 
Uh, Stewart basically says uh, it's going to go to trial and the evidence is going to have to stand. That's all that can be done. Meanwhile, the most inept donut eaters ever. (laughs) He's trying to put the Flash Mercury hat on his head. Check out this evidence, (laughs) York. Eric always has like the one or two goofy ass cops always doing stupid shit with uh, vicious circle evidence or whatnot. And uh, the way we don't do we know that mask, does it just give you powers? We don't know. So we don't know if it's just for Flash Mercury or, you know, if it works on anybody. My hunch is my hunch is that it's tied specifically to Flash Mercury since it was given to him by the creator. Oh, right. Okay. So it might be tied to him genetically somehow. And we get that I cool uh, we get that cool splash. I mean, I guess you know, the word is out. I don't know if it's sent by Powerhouse or whatever to go back and capture that mask back for Flash Mercury. So The double page spread. See, it's yeah. brilliant. I love double page spread. Always debuts on a double page spread. <laughs> it's fantastic. So she's smashing through the, the – uh, the jail and uh i know the the police uh department and uh snatching back uh flash's little mask why doesn't she have shoes on i don't understand that maybe she doesn't need them i have a hunch she's super strong yeah yeah she busts through a wall like nothing yeah punches out I, malcolm <laughs> like nothing it takes a punch like nothing well maybe not yeah well that's a pretty wicked punch to get i love so, like, uh, you know, just moving through sequentially, like her jumping through the police station or whatever, I don't want to skip that fantastic little guy that's like a head and legs. I think... He's... When does he pop up? A few pages later? He, he grabs yeah. the... Uh, we're past the double-page spread. She's punching him out. And then you see uh, the middle panel there. He's like, hee-hee-hee-hee, and like, you know, running off with the mask. He's, I think he appeared in the job. Yeah. That he is a godling, right? Yeah, yeah, he appeared in one of the, the early Dragon episodes, uh, issues with the gods. Okay. I think he's actually on one of the covers, the one with, like, uh, it's, like, the white cover with, like, Dragon holding Smasher and, like, I think Hercules and Thor going at it. I think it's that cover. I could be wrong. I don't know what what issue it was, but uh, he's definitely has showed up before. And we forgot to mention that we get to see John Day knocked like knocked on his ass by uh, oh, yeah. Double Page. Yep, that's him getting punched in the face, thrown. I think this is the second time Double Page has got punched, and the reason she gets beat is because she knocks her heads together. That's fantastic. I ah, you know, I didn't punch. even realize that. I didn't even notice that until you're just saying that right now. That is cool. That's I her, her only weakness. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> concussions so that little godling guy gets away with the the mask so that's that we have to assume i I say given that whole sequence we have to assume that the mask has some potential to people other than flash or no wait you know what you're wrong i'm right because i think the order was just sent from powerhouse or whoever to go and retrieve it so that you're right i forgot flash was like rescued so that makes sense my bad my bad And, you know, we get a few more pages this issue of uh, Smith, the lawyer, kind of interviewing Angel and Malcolm. And this is actually a good kind of primer issue, I think, for 
people that want to get into Savage Dragon 2 or people that just need a recap because it's it's an interesting way to kind of recap what's gone on and still make it jive with you know the trial and fit in seamlessly so it is kind of a a cool little two-page primer he's really good to put exposition in um in a way that makes sense and you it's know what, and you rarely know what, shoehorned and you know what's great is that smith is like the new reader getting this info dump and he's like what yeah seriously <laughs> what's been going on in your life seriously <laughs> It's it is really that's a fantastic point. This is a great jump on issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get a little bit of action thrown in there, so it's not just all talking heads, and we get a lot of kind of background information done in a subtle way. Um. So moving along, we uh we get that page. I I like this page. It's it's a it's a page of uh with uh Angel uh confronting um. What's his name? Uh, Frank Jr. Frank Jr. about uh, hooking up. Uh, was it with Tiara? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you look at it's like got the it's classic Eric Larson like the the big eyes and the faces. I really like the way he he drew the faces on this, uh, especially the first two panels. It's it's real classic Eric Larson. Uh, I also love the fact that. Um, Frank really was guilty of nothing more than what she was going to do anyway in the exact same situation. Right, right, right. Fantastic parallel. Right, right. And it's just she's just an irrational teenager that's, you know, it, it's good characterization, I think. Like, just it seems like something a teenager would say. The fact that Tierra's pregnant is an interesting twist, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. good in two ways because Frank here is kind of like, you know, he's even selling it. He's not like I don't love you. He's like we thought we were gonna die, and like she's leaving, and he's like she's pregnant. Like he's making every kind of a well, geez, you know, the world was ending. She's pregnant now. It's not like he's not like he's not shutting Angel down emotionally. He's just kind of laying out what happened. <laughs> so. Right. Right. And we find out that Maxine works at Hot Dog on a Stick. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that make you like her so much more? That hat really makes me like her. That's what it is. Hot Dog on a underdog, Stick. That's an underdog job. It's a great what little franchise. Dogs? <laughs> Just like the dopey, uh, the dopey uh, outfit, you know. Yeah. I didn't like her too much because of the sailor, the constant like sailor outfit. Yeah. Which was kind of weird. But just knowing that she's got this crappy job at Hot Dog on a Stick, it's kind of awesome. I, uh, the only thing about this page is that last panel with her, like, floating eye. I, I can't look at it. <laughs> I don't know if you notice that, but just yeah, her wonky old. eye. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it until you just said it. <laughs> Bothers well, me. she's that damn happy. So uh, Smith drops the bomb on Dragon that if uh, convicted, he, the the sentence, worst case scenario, is that he could get the death penalty. I'm going to be Which, that guy um, and just say that there's no death penalty in Illinois, but I'm going to Good point. That. He's probably oh, going – well, and, and actually, I don't think there's a death penalty for a federal case either, so. 
That's true. But, uh, Smith you know, this is a, a totally player. different, you know. Yeah, you know, the Vicious Circle may have changed the rules a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna, Alien, you know, uh, Conquerors and Vicious Circle. I mean, Circle. Al Gore was president for like six months, so yeah. anything's possible. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like I said, I was just going to be that guy. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because Dragon's been killed like three or four times. What's one more? Right. And I think it was brought up on the forums, uh, possibly, that, you know, killing Dragon could uh, put Kerr back in the driver's seat. <laughs> yeah. So it's really not a good idea to try and kill him. Yeah. He's he's kind of the good personality right now. I don't what think is... Dragon will let, let them kill him. I think he's got a limit. He'd go through the, the criminal justice proceedings, but if they were actually going to convict him, he'd probably run. Well, Can you imagine he... the willpower? I'm just going to, no, kids, no, it's right. For the death penalty for Dragon, they'd have to use, like, the guillotine or they'd something. They'd go like get that. Omni-Man. They'd have to just cut his head off. Throw him into the sun. <laughs> so all supervillains should be killed. Thrown into the sun. Yes. <laughs> Thunderhead. Thunderhead. Yeah, he's, Thunderhead. He's, uh, we've come back full circle to the beginning of the previous issue where uh, Thunderhead discovered that uh, he and um, War God had in fact resurrected somebody, just not his father. So we start getting a slow introduction to who that is, and the final page reveal is the claw. Dun, 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 dun. Who he mentioned earlier will grace the cover of issue 188, so he's presumably going to be a big deal for the foreseeable future. Uh, of course, the claw is uh, Daredevil's arch enemy from his Golden Age comic, so it's an interesting resurrection in terms of what that means for Daredevil. And, in fact, I love it that uh, it keeps up the tradition of Resurrection not being a uh, way to trot out old characters. Um, Resurrection, when I know that they were in the Project Born Again in the graveyard and there was a Resurrection confirmed, you know, some people were like, oh, you know, how's this different than, you know, when they do it in mainstream comics? It's almost always got a twist in Savage Dragon, and this is a great twist. Right, right. And I, I gotta say that... Um... Thunder, Thunderhead, right? Is that mm-hmm. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in Savage Dragon. He's just got a badass look, and I just feel for the guy. Now he's yeah, going to be like some I'm... poor lackey to Claw. Can't he even doesn't want to be. Yeah, he just wants to leave. I mean, it looks like he gave the guy a bed and shelter, and he's like, all right, I'm out of here. You're all square. And No, the Claw's going to be an ass. No, nope, he's got to take over the world. You work so. for me now. You do my bidding. Ungrateful bastard. <laughs> Jerk. The only world brought, is only mine. brought you back to life. No biggie. He just came back, and he's already got plans for world domination. That's right, pretty man. quick. <laughs> it's hard to believe a guy with boomerangs could kick a guy like this his ass. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see if he still has it in him. <laughs> so so that, yeah. th- that is Savage Dragon 184. We're going to save uh, the Vanguard back up, right? For, yes, um, we are episode. planning in the future to have Gary Carlson on our show. And we want to hold on to the final Vanguard story to talk to him about. And so, you know uh, yeah. Gary Carlson as the writer of a lot of the Vanguard issues. He did this latest uh, uh, serial uh, he's done Megaton, 
he's done Big Bang comics, so we'll we'll have a lot to talk to him about, so we can line that up. Seems like it's just trying to pick a date at this point, but it should be fun. So we're going to talk about Vanguard as a whole and wrap it all up with this final episode when we talk to him. So something to look forward to in the near future. We do hope to have him on sooner rather than later. But speaking of interviews, we now have our interview with uh, Michelle Fife. So now let's introduce our latest guest, uh, contributor and editor of Savage Dragon Funnies and writer-artist of creator-owned projects Zegas Copra, among others. We welcome uh, Mike Fife. It's nice to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, thanks a bunch. It's my pleasure. So, uh... Savage, Twisted Savage Dragon Funnies. You know, most of uh, our listeners probably know you from that. Um, oh, you guys read it, huh? You checked it out? Love it. Loved it, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, My favorite well, backup in a long while. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, actually, yeah, that you know was what? super fun to do. Why don't we, uh, I know we had talked about this earlier, but why don't we just talk a little bit Let's, let's roll it back before uh, Twisted Savage Dragon Funnies and just talk about a little bit how, how you got involved in you know uh, comics and, and, and meeting up with Eric and, and getting this to happen. I mean, this isn't the first published work that you've had. You've, you've done stuff before. I know you've kind of worked with uh, the Activate Collective and stuff like that. So can you just give us a little uh, synopsis of how you got to the point at Twisted uh, Savage Dragon Funnies? Sure, I've done a... I've done a bunch of comics uh, before the Savage Dragon thing. Um, you know, small stuff, stuff in anthologies, self-published stuff, zines, minis, you know, stuff like that. The usual trying to break in stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew Eric uh, through meeting him at conventions and through emails and stuff. Uh, not so much through the message board, actually. I was kind right. of, uh, I was never active on the board. I, I would just kind of read and, and hang back for years. Uh, but then out of nowhere, I just got this idea, <clears throat> excuse me, to, um, to make, I was a big fan of like the strange tales yeah, series I love that Marvel books. put out or like bizarro stories or any sort of indie centric superhero thing. Uh, I was really a huge fan of that. And I thought would it be cool if image had one too. And right. I actually reached out to Joe Keating at first cause he was the editor of pop gun. Um, yep. and I, I thought, would it be cool if you did this? You know, you're the editor. You know all these people. Maybe I'll get to do something, maybe. Um, and he was kind of, uh, he stopped editing at that point, and he just wanted to concentrate on writing. So then I kind of just mentioned it to Eric as a throwaway kind of, you know, suggestion, and, you know, who knows what he would say to that. But he wrote back, you know, with his blessing, yeah, as if I was asking, as if I were proposing the project, I was just kind of mm-hmm. suggesting an idea, but I ran with it. You know, I just called up every cartoonist I could that was willing to like draw a Savage Dragon story for me in a monthly schedule, and that's how it happened. Eric was cool enough to let it happen like that. And he was. I mean, did how much involvement did he have in that? Was he just like go with it? Just let me see who's working on the stories, or was it just? Yeah. Yeah. At first, I had to sell them on the people, just so, so it wouldn't look like you know rough trade or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he named the thing, he gave it the title, mm-hmm. um, and he kind of oversaw it very loosely. 
You know, he right. just gave me like right. the ground rules. Uh, you know, like no nudity, no not no swearing or not too much swearing. No, no smoking was one of his things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bare bones, kind of like no brainers. You know, right. and so right. I went forth, and he let me do whatever. So. I, mean, I don't know. I thought it, the results were really cool month in, month out. You know, it was a, right. a thrill to kind of see it on the stands and print, you know, back to back with one of my favorite books. So, A lot of the guys that you got to work on, on them are, you know, superstars, at least in the indie world on their own right, or just, you know, at least up and coming guys that, you know, I was really happy to see, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those, uh, some of the contributors I wish I could see more work from, but sometimes they're not even doing comics. They just kind of, went off and did their own artistic thing and they'll mm-hmm. come back in and do comics. But just for this one moment, for that one year, it was awesome to have like that specific collection of people, you know, and I, right, right. And I know, I mean, I, I've read that at one point and I actually, I didn't realize, but I owned a comic of yours. Uh, you did the flip side of, uh, Dean Haspiel's, uh, uh, comic, the Billy Donna image comic. I think it was, I, I looked through my long boxes and I can't find it now, but I think it was like three or four issues and you were doing the flip side. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, a three-issue mini called Brawl, that uh, black yeah. and white mini that um, Image put out. And, and that you, was... You know, go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't even realize it was your work until preparing for this interview. I just wanted to, you know, I went on the web just to see other stuff you've done. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remembered that half of the story. I mean, honestly, I bought are, it for, for Dean's work. And then, those are bad. You know, what's that? They're bad. They're, I, those I are bad. You should burn those comics. <laughs> I, I, um, I totally didn't realize it was you though, until, you know, my memory was like, Oh yeah, I remember those. And it was, I just remember really trippy kind of like face melting kind of stuff going on. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was just funny yeah. that I, I was, I, I totally, after, you know, reading online, I, I remember that was your stuff. Yeah, that was my old webcomic, uh, that, that was published maybe, I don't want to say a year, but close to a year after the fact. So to me, when it was published, it was a great opportunity, but to me, it was like old hat, you know, I was already yeah, over that yeah, stuff. So it, was, yeah. it was kind of bittersweet that this was like a book with my name on it and it's out in the world, but I was, I was kind of feeling reluctant about the material itself. So, which later, yeah. you know, I continued the story and I felt more confident about it. But yeah, that's one of my earlier works, the brawl. But with with that now, what's the deal with that Activate crew? Are you still part of that collective, or is that uh, not still really? I haven't done web comics in in years. Yeah, uh, Vegas started out there, but only for the first story. But right. they're doing their own thing, and uh, you know, I'm not really part of that crew anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, and I, I know that's where Vegas. That's your other. Um, your other uh, creator-owned comic. You yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have two published issues, and then you have the web comic. Is that right? That's right. And all the web stuff, I'm planning on on printing it as a number zero or something pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's not online anymore, uh, so I just put it. I'm going to put it into like the same format, make it a number zero. And yeah, Vegas is my self-published stuff, which. You know, as I posted on the board and I told you guys about it, um, it, it couldn't be more different than Savage Dragon or any genre thing, you know. It, it's just right. kind of in my style. It's, you know, it's more of a slice of life, kind of weird, surreal, backdrop, psychedelic sort of, you know, human uh, stories, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or quieter stories, 
you know. Right. Uh, but I was self-publishing it. So, you know, it, it was indeed, and, it, you know, I thought a few folks would like it. And that was, like, my decision um, to self-publish Vegas. Like, I had that story, and I had nowhere to put it. Uh, so I figured, why not just put it myself? You know, everyone's saying, like, you know, print is dying or it's dead or, you know, no one cares about individual issues anymore. And I just, I mean, I just, I, I kind of ignore that, you know. I absolutely ignore it, actually. And I just went ahead and published it, you know, a small print run and was really proud of it. And I'm still going to continue stories, but uh, that sort of led to this current thing, the, the Copper uh, series. So... Self-publishing has become like a huge thing for me, and I thought I would never do it. Yeah, I just right, thought like right. that's something I'm not interested in. I don't want to, you know, run the business side of it at all. I just want to draw and write and create. Uh, but now it's kind of part of the process, gotcha. and it's it's great, you know. Now I'm yeah. I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned that mm-hmm. you mentioned that um, a lot of people don't see print as a viable future, but you decided to go that route. Um, how did I'm curious how you you uh, funded going print because I know it can be very expensive, especially for a low run book. Well, yeah, I had a I had a day job, and I just saved up my money pretty much. I mean, for the second issue, I ran a, a, a Kickstarter type thing. It was a Rocket Hub. Rocket Hub is kind of like this crowdfunding thing right. platform, right. and you know, I got enough money to print it. You know, and print the incentives. You know, like the T-shirts and prints, etc. Um, and that's how I did that one issue. Right. The first issue, I had to save up a bunch. And while I was saving, I was making the comic, which took me close to a year. It took me forever. Right. Um, just to do everything. Um, and that's part of why I was a little reluctant to go forward. I thought it was going to be a one-time thing. Like I'll just self-publish this one issue. Who knows? It'll be like a limited super print thing. And but then now it's like my it's my forum. It's the way I, I put my work out in the world. Yeah. So so that's how I yeah, it does cost money, but um for every sale of an issue it just pays for the next right so to speak. Yeah. So so you've got a pretty good um I guess buffer going now so that you can keep going into the future with new Copra issues and new Zegas issues and you don't gotta do any more crowdfunding to keep it going. Right, right, right. I I Right, exactly. Yeah, I think I'm pretty ahead in terms of funds where where that's the case, you know. Right. I don't have to worry about like being late on an issue because I don't have enough funds. Like that's it's a good cycle, it's a good flow at the moment. And you've been getting some pretty good buzz lately. I've seen CBR articles about you and your work. Yeah, a couple of the writers are wearing to copper, so I'm really excited about that. It's really cool. Did you notice increased sales after that? I mean, I know I have issue one and two of uh, Copra, and you know it's the print run of four hundred, and then issue three it jumps up to six hundred. So I was pretty happy that you know to see that you're at least printing more. It must mean you're selling more, or at least hope, hopefully. That, yeah, yeah, I'm totally getting more orders. Took me by surprise. Great news. Uh, and these are like baby numbers, you know. <laughs> I mean, six hundred is nothing. But to me, when I went to from 400 to 600, that meant the world to me. That was like huge, you know. To me, that's like sellout success, you know, because that's, that's the amount that I could handle. I mean, it's just me. I don't have a staff. I don't have an intern. So that's right. about right. what I could manage on top of making the actual comic. Um, so right now, I'm really happy with 600. You know, I don't know how it would yeah. be with a thousand or two thousand or. I mean, I can't 
begin to think about those type of numbers, you know, right. just because I have so many other things to do. So for right now, it's like, as it stands, it's a very limited edition sort of, it's not exclusive. I'm, that's why I made the print run higher, just because I want these things out there, you know. I, yeah. yeah. I felt bad when the first one sold out and I had to tell people to wait, you know. Right, for the other print, yeah. So I, I want to talk more about uh, Copra, but since this is the FinCast, I do want I do have a bunch of questions and want to pick your brain about the Twisted Savage Dragon funnies, if, if you don't mind. Of course. I could also talk about old Eric Larson comics Well, yeah, I'm actually curious how you became a fan of Savage Dragon. Of Savage Dragon? Yes. Uh, well, I was a, an Eric Larson fan from back in Amazing Spider-Man. As many. I was like, that was like one of my first Spider-Man comics I ever bought, and I was instantly hooked. In fact, I preferred his art to McFarland's back then, and still do. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was the just same an way. Instant, instantly hooked. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I think there was a Punisher issue, and the, the Secret Six issues, those blew my mind. Those were amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I think I was at the perfect age when Image started. You know, there was like mm-hmm. that, there was that buzz when right before, like, when he took over Spider-Man writing and drawing it, uh, right. when he went from Amazing to Spider-Man. Right. Um, that was the hottest shit. I mean, I love that stuff. That and so issue when he, with the... When he went that, to Savage Dragon, I was like, it, it was a done deal. Like, yeah, I followed just directly, you know. I just started yeah. buying Savage Dragon. Um, and all image books, you know, but... Honestly, the Savage Dragon was the only book that I kept buying because I, I actually liked it. I didn't feel like I should buy it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, did you guys go through that through the whole image kind of like binge and purge? Yeah, you know, but I had the, I I felt felt the same way as you. I started off with Marvel, and it was something with Eric's work. It, he was the first artist that I followed because of the artist. You know, any book he was on, and, and basically it was Amazing Spider-Man. And I just remember I had me and my best friend, we would just, you know, couldn't wait for the next Amazing Spider-Man book to come out because we wanted to see what new character he was going to draw and how it was going to look in the Eric Larson style. And I just remember my mind just being blown, especially when he took over the adjectiveless Spider-Man with the Beast story. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. The, was something about the colors of that book, his art. You know, the story was such an awesome, like, quick one-and-done story. And right, it was right. just, you know, it was just so amazing. So I, I was, like, probably about this – I don't know how, how old you are, but I was – probably when that, that issue came out, I want to say I was, like, maybe a freshman or sophomore in high school or something like that. Um, yeah, and, I, was a, I was – when that issue came out, I was probably still in junior high. What was it, 91? Yeah. 91, yeah, 91 I was probably, like, or 12 or 13 or something, so – I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember that issue. I think Gregory Wright colored that. I could be totally wrong yeah, about that. Maybe. It was just amazing. But and even like you're saying, the Amazing Spider-Man books, it was like he, he went through that run where, like, you know, a lot of the issues were kind of like one-and-done issues, even though they tied together a bigger storyline. Mm-hmm. And it right. was like I couldn't wait to see who was going to draw. It's like going to be, you know, when I found out there was going to be an issue full of Avengers, it was like, oh, my God, Eric Larson's going to draw all the Avengers. Like, I want to oh, see yeah. this. I have to see this, you know. And it would blow yeah, my mind. Right. Did you ever see those uh, Marvel Comics Presents? Those three-part, yeah. that three-part yeah. thing? That I caught that early on, too. And that blew me away, too. And then he wrote it. That was that was the thing. He was one of the only artists 
who wrote their own stuff that I ever saw. I mean, right. you know, I had, I had read Frank Miller, John Byrne up to that point, Walt Simonson, but then there was Eric Larson, mm-hmm. um, you know, who was like newer, you know, to me. Uh, right. And that really inspired me to, to kind of move forward, you know, and do comics, you know, to be confident, like, well, I could write my own stories, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of the Savage Dragon, there's this editorial on the back that he wrote. I think he writes about, um, you know, his, his old, you know, the way he used to draw comics as a kid and then the fire that he went through and losing all his stuff in there. And I don't know, just stuff like that was really inspiring, just him going off about, like, his own personal views on making mm-hmm. comics. Um, and that was, I don't know, that, that really inspired me too, just to, just to make them, you know, make them myself. So Seven right. Strike was a perfect vehicle for that, you know, for him mm-hmm. to do that and for me to kind of hop on and just enjoy it, you know, forever. But of course, you know, after the binging, there's the purging and I got rid of all my image comics. I got rid of all comics. I hated comics. I was so sick of them. You know, I was just, <laughs> all this money was just funneled into this oh, this fucking black hole of right, right. these comics that I just didn't like. I mean, no offense, I was buying, like, Brigade, Whoops, thinking yeah, that, oh, yeah. I'm going to like this, and then buying two yeah. copies of Bloodstrike or Shadowhawk or whatever. Again, I could look back now and appreciate those 100%. I did when I bought them, but when you're confronted with a big box of comics you don't like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you're kind of growing out of them anyway, and you're discovering music and girls and stuff it's like get that stuff out of here you know (laughs) savage dragon savage dragon was the first book that i came back to Mm -hmm. um and i continued you know i would drop in what issue did you come back to what did you leave at and what did you come back to i left around uh right after the jimbo issue number nine Uh and then i came back around like in the 20s you Uh know so it was like yeah. a good maybe a year or so. That's well, not too much. Uh, it's a, yeah, it wasn't too much. I mean, that's that's the curse. You have comics in you forever. <laughs> you yeah, don't get rid yeah. of it, right? Right. Um, I remember reading, the things that brought me back was that, and Sin City and Milk and Cheese by Evan Dorkin. And those yeah. things were just like, all right, I'm back. Done. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, discovering like, you know, things like Love and Rockets and you know, just, uh, just not mainstream comics. Just right. a wide variety, yeah. It right. seems you're much more into the whole uh, counterculture comic scene as opposed to the mainstream. Sure. I mean, I was, I don't know. I think I'm, I don't want to say half and half, but I think I, I like both kind of e- in equal parts. Actually, these days I'm probably more into like older mainstream stuff. Right. That's yeah. where I draw a lot of my inspiration from, just lesser known mainstream dudes. As in like, Marvel, um, Bronze Age, that sort of era, 70s, early 80s? Bronze Age, early 80s, yeah, late 80s. I like those guys a lot. You know, mm-hmm. but I do like a lot of indie stuff uh, or old alternative comics from the 80s and 90s. Those were a huge inspiration to me, too. And I sort of, I mixed it all up, you know? Yeah, but yeah I, I I'm get definitely that. on both camps. I feel like I could talk about both camps, you know, pretty easily, you know, or at least draw inspiration from and put into my own work. Um, so I don't know. And I kind of see Larson as, I mean, he's a mainstream artist, but I don't know. It's so quirky as it is right now, like in the face of everything else that, you know, whenever 
I think of his art, I just think of him as comics. It's neither or, you know? Right, right. The thing with Larson, too, is he just sees himself as more of a cartoonist. He's not afraid to try different things, and he's not so worried about being a mainstream superhero title. If he wants it to be some kind of weird indie thing thrown in or some kind of Golden Age thing thrown in, he's he can do it, and he does. You know, if he wants yeah. to go off on the side and do a 24-hour comic... You know he's a cartoonist, and 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 I see I see him as more of a cartoonist than a guy who's just kind of drawing comics for a job. You know. Yeah, yeah, he, totally. He I mean, really you guys, enjoys. you guys talked about the Supreme issue, the latest one, yes. or his last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing was insane. Yeah. I loved it. So you it loved it. See, I love it. <laughs> I love that yeah. damn run. No, he's talking it's about fantastic. the one he loved the run. The kind of a sketchy style. Oh, the one he drew, the issue? Well, I love that damn issue, too. <laughs> yeah, the one he drew was bonkers. I mean, that that run was, was good, but when he inks himself, there's just something about it, especially in that loose style. And then yeah. the, the coloring was a little simpler, which I prefer, and I think it matches his artwork a little bit more, I think. Um, kind of like when he colored himself. Holy crap, that's the stuff. That's yeah. I love that stuff. And... I know, uh, Jim, you and I agree on, on that run where he started lettering yes, himself. Yes. I think you and I are the only two that like it. I don't even think Eric likes it. <laughs> I, I think we might be the only two. Yeah, I love that stuff, man. I remember, you know, I would go in and out, in and out, but then once I hit 123 and I saw it on the shelves and I picked it up, it blew me away. I was That was when I was stuck for real, you know. Was that, was that the fly yeah, issue? Yeah, because... It, it, the, no, the fly was 125. 123 was right before, and it had the really torn cover. Right. Okay, it yeah. It looked, uh, I forget, it was, a, I Dread think they were in Washington or something. Yeah, Dread Knight standing over him. Yeah, Dread Knight, Dread Knight. It had weird spreads and just odd panel layouts, and it was great, and it still held together, and there was a, a lot of risk-taking, really exciting stuff, and the writing was, that... was really sharp and funny. Like, it wasn't like, it didn't age you know, in a bad, embarrassing yeah. way. Like, some guys just keep writing in this weird way. That, you know, they're trying to be funny, they're trying to be clever, and it's just boring. But Eric just kind of nailed it, you know? And with that yeah. issue, it was perfect. And then yeah. I was stuck, and then the fly came out, the 125, <laughs> the one you mentioned, and that was perfection, you know? I mean, that was a right. big chunk of book. That was great. I loved it. Right, um, right, right. And yeah, and it wasn't shortly after that, you know, I started being more involved in, like, you know, the forums and talking to him, you know, so that was fun. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, he's not afraid to try things. It's like, he, he just doesn't give a crap. He's going to do it. He's not, not afraid of what people are going to say. I think that's awesome. You don't see that that much. You don't see, I mean, what other image founder or image guys have tried all these different types of things in their comics, you know, other than just making a, a straight, straight ahead superhero comic. You know what I mean? Like yeah, imagine yeah. if like Jim Lee tried to experiment like that, or or Sylvester or something the, the like that. Comic you don't see that. Arms. Right, right. Yeah. I think yeah. Lee's probably the next in line to experiment the most. I mean, he did some, you know, some watercolor stuff for Hush, and he he did Death Blow, you know, trying to do his Miller thing, you know. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm thinking, you know, more in terms of you know, Larson's more into the cartooning and, and you know, comical side and. And, and having fun and, and trying different experiments like that. I mean, Jim Lee's always oh, yeah. kind of a straight-ahead type guy. It's, it, you know, it's, it's a very serious kind of uh, way of approaching things. Um, right, at least right, that's right. what it seems to me. Uh, you're not going to yeah, see Eric, characters um, that look cartoony. Right, right. Uh, yeah, they're very they're from two different camps almost. 
Yeah. You know. Um, but I think Eric, I mean, he has no choice but to be himself. You know, he's going to move forward no matter what. He doesn't care, and that's part of the charm of that. And the appeal of that to me is that he's, you know, this savage world, it's going to happen whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah, and it did, right. and then I'm going to bring it all back. And then I'm going to take <laughs> it away. And then I'm going to bring it back kind of for half an issue, maybe for a couple of panels, you know? It's insane. Sometimes it's hard to follow, but it's really compelling. And I love that. And he changes the art from one style from one issue to the next, you know, or with an issue where, you know, what is it, the clear line style to really heavy, you know, shaded yeah. issue. I right. love that kind yeah. of stuff. I'm a super yeah. nerd for that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But he does it in the service of cool stories with cool characters and characters you kind of care about. Um, right. And it's kind of like a, uh, I said this before, someone trying to describe the title, but it's kind of like his fever dream comic. You know, like, mm-hmm. he's just kind of doing this in this mad monthly rush. Like, he's just kind of getting it done. He doesn't really care. I mean, he does care. That's not to undermine, you know, his his level of craft or anything. Uh, but it's just like he's going to put it out no matter what. Yeah, you know? Right. And there's something really cool about that. You just kind of constantly move forward and just, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's things to consider and stuff, you know, like he's right now considering the the next big plot shift for 200 or the next big event. Uh, but yeah, he's going to move forward, man. He doesn't care. He's just going to do it. Right, right, right. Now, so anyway, that's uh, I'm inspired by that. I mean, I picked up on that early on, and that's awesome, you know? So, like, like when you were doing, when you were trying to put together the Savage Dragon Funnies and getting guys on board, I mean, what's your consensus of the artists and creators out there when, when it comes to Savage Dragon? I mean, it, we know Savage Dragon is not the hottest seller out there, and you know it's it's amazing to me that you know there aren't more people picking up this book. But um, mm-hmm. you always hear, well, at least I hear a lot of pros. You know, we were inspired by Larson. You know, his stuff's great. Um, when you were trying to you know get creators to do the Twisted Dragon fights, what kind of responses were you getting when you were saying you know you wanted to do a, a Savage Dragon version of of uh, you know strange, this strange kind of, tales, uh, strange tales. You mean, yeah. you mean from the creators I asked? Yeah, yeah. I mean, were were people like you know why are you doing dragon? You know, what's up with dragon? Or were people like were they super aware into of the character? Yeah. Were they? Yeah. Are they still making that book? <laughs> uh, no, not so much. I mean, maybe somewhere surprised that I was even working on this thing because it was such an odd project yeah, for me to yeah. tackle. You know, I had never edited or wrangled people before to do something. Uh, so um, uh, they were all pretty enthusiastic. I mean, I, yeah. I asked people that I liked and respected, people mm-hmm. whose comics I actually liked. It was never like, uh, I think he'll be good for the book, or I feel like I should because he's kind of my friend, and but I kind of don't like his stuff, but he should be in it. It was never like that. I like everyone in that book. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt confident that Eric would like it. Or at least, right. you know, see enough hope in there to let it run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once the story was complete, you know, colored, lettered, in, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. The creators themselves, half of them were aware of the book, and some of them have read it, uh, have been reading it. Uh, others haven't read it in years. You know, they just dropped off. A right, few yeah. only know the character based on the cartoon, you know? Yeah, that's true too. And well, it's funny because you can kind of tell 
it's almost like you said, like half of half of the comics, my favorite ones, at least, and there's about half of them, are the ones that reference other characters in the book where you can tell either the writer or the artist or, you know, who, or if they did both, they, they knew the, the comic, you know. I right. forget who did, like, the, the angel, uh, the angel story where it's her and uh, Glum kind of, like, hanging out oh, yeah. and just trying to survive. Uh who is that artist? I, I, I like the Cat one. Roberts. I like the one with Cat Roberts. What's that, Jim? I like the one with Universo. It got yeah, that's awesome. I love the uh, Greaser Savage Dragon. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, what's the one with the Vicious Circle? The one by uh, Jason Lex and Jim Rugg. That's just, just the designs of those characters are just amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they did awesome but, on those characters. I mean, they were yeah. like born to draw those characters. They... Though I mean that's the thing the the first tier of creators were the backups, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they were like newer cartoonists, you know. Uh, and some of them, you know, I had a, you know, some of them knew the book, some of them didn't. But right, then for right, the right. next tier, for the actual book, you know, just to uh-huh. fill out the book a little bit, make it like a good solid thing, um, all those guys knew pretty much the Savage Dragon. They loved it, you know. Jason Lex and Jim Rugg loved all those comics. You know, I mean, we geeked out over those issues. And, you know, I think it was the early 20s, uh, you know, when he fights Overlord, you know, yeah, and he defeats yeah. Overlord. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> but we, we talked about it, and, we, you know, I'm like, oh, these guys dig it. They know what I'm going for. You know, same thing with Ben Mara, you know, the guy who does yeah. the night business. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was just a connection with, with this character and this world, and it just made sense. The whole project made sense, you yeah. know. Uh, it, it wasn't as, like, sticky as it could be or could be seen. I think there, it was a real natural fit, you know. And yeah, I wish it, yeah. it could be something that could be ongoing or that other people would do. Um, right, right. Actually, that, actually, I wanted to mention that when I, mentioned, when I told this to, to Joe Keating about Image, it was for all the Image characters, and he said that would be a legal nightmare. And yeah, so I sure. thought, and it's true. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see like a an, an indie Young Blood or whatever Shadowhawk. Uh, and then, in a sense, that's happened already. Um, but you know, with the near extreme relaunch. But I thought, okay, well, Eric is like the one book. Eric has the one book that I really respond to. Let's just concentrate on that book and see if I could make it happen. You know, if it had enough legs carry it, you know, uh, and it did. I mean, he has tons of awesome-looking characters. You don't even need to read the book to know that that they're all great. <laughs> they all look really cool. Well, yeah, and that was the thing, too. Just, and I mentioned this, I think, around this time that Twisted uh, Savage Dragon Funny's Trade came out, and we talked about it, I think, a little bit, um, was that, you know, you can just, Eric's designs are so cool, and it really stands out when someone else draws them. Like I was saying, like the, the Lex and rug, uh, uh, strip with the vicious circle. And mm-hmm. I mean, they kept all of Eric's designs for the characters and just drew them, you know, it's just drawn in, in their style. And, uh, it's just, you, you look, you really look at the costumes and I'm like, wow, these costumes are cool. I mean, they are a little nineties ish and some stuff, but that's the way super villains. Like it, it's just, you know, it's not like today where everyone's just got to dress in plain clothes or something like that. I mean, these are right. like real cool villain costumes, you know, like just great design work on some of these things. 
Yeah, I mean, barbaric. That guy, that's a pretty 90s look. Yeah, yeah. Cutthroat. Pure, pure 90s. But then, like, Mighty Man's pretty classic. You know, right. he's like a take on Captain Marvel. Uh, Super Patriot's kind of cool looking. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, time. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, so it, it could go from, like, the really cool to the ridiculous, but it always works. Most of the time, right. it mostly works. You know? Right. And right. also, it's in his style that it works. Sometimes you see these characters jump out of people. It doesn't really quite work, even the dragon himself. You know? Uh, you oh, can yeah. look at all the minis that have happened, you know, all mm-hmm. throughout, the, you know, throughout the years. And it just really takes, like, Eric Larson, like, the way he draws, like, a chin or a lip. Like, that's what nails a character, specifically someone like Savage Dragon, you know? Um, right. And it's hard to replicate that, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, he's got it. That's his comic, you know? That's his stamp. His style is his stamp, you know? Definitely. Yeah, you got yeah, you like a point the book, there. You know? uh, there's, some, there's been some cases where other people have drawn his characters, and just there's just something off about it. And it's not that it looks bad, it's just something off. There's something off. And they could even read the book and know the book, but there's just something off, you know? Um, mm. I really don't know how, how else to describe it or even to who to compare it to because you know you draw Spider-Man or even the Hulk and you know there's a few variations or something as iconic as like the Batman or something mm-hmm. you know Savage Dragon is pretty iconic but it relies so much on Eric Larson's style you Definitely. know so it's just yeah it's totally weird when someone else draws him I know I, when I draw when I drew him I tried being faithful to that but still having my own style so I was very aware of that you know right 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 even though my style is nothing like, at least back then, it was nothing like Larson. I think these days I'm incorporating a little bit more of my Larson influence, uh, <laughs> at least in action or, you know, in, in, in panel breakdowns and stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that might be a good segue here. Um, do you want to spend some time talking about your uh, your current work, Copra? Please Zegas. do. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I mentioned Zegas. And I will continue to do that, but now Copra is my my monthly comic book. I'm writing, drawing, coloring, producing the whole thing. 24 pages a month. Um, and I feel so excited in doing this. Like, it was, at first it started, well, it first started when I, when I did that Suicide Squad uh, fan comic, you know. That was kind of right after I finished Vegas, I needed something totally different, a little looser, something a little less self-conscious. And mm-hmm. so, and totally unofficial. I mean, these are DC characters, you know. That, and you're, so, you're referencing it, your, your Death Zone comic that you put together. Yeah, my Death Zone, right, right. That was, yeah, the fan comic I was talking about. Um, and, you know, instead of doing, like, a bunch of pinups or some, like, thrown together sketches, I just wanted to make a comic book. Just tell, mm-hmm. tell a story but then make it fun like those old comics I used to read. Right, you know, right. nothing nothing of consequence. You know, this is just going to be in. I don't have to explain anything. I'm just going to do it. People may like it. People may not like it. I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to print it. Like, let's see what happens. And uh, it did well. People responded to it. And, you know, people apparently liked Suicide Squad. And so they they reacted well. They liked it. They got what I was getting, you know. Yeah, it was pretty uh, awesome. Thanks. I, that led to, to Copra because I wanted to just to produce something on a pretty steady level. Yeah, uh, with it, a it good feels schedule. like 
it feels like your version of Suicide Squad almost. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, that's like the basic blueprint. It's just sort of like a dirty dozen renegade misfits on the run. It's a revenge story. It's got, you know, crazy looking characters. It's Max used to draw fight scenes and explosions uh, uh, without apology. You know, <laughs> I just, right. I needed to tell a story like that because the writing actually takes me the longest and Vegas took me forever. So in the middle of the script for my next issue, I was like, I need something I needed to do something quick, and I needed to have like this sort of like uh, raw, raw, visceral feel to it. You know, like I just can't think about it. I just got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think this monthly schedule is perfect for that. Just to get it done, I have to get it done. No, now, I, and I, now that I have I, subs- now that I have subscribers, I have to get it done. I mean, yeah, right. My, I mean, I put my word out, but now it's like I have to deliver an item every month, and. Mm-hmm. I haven't frozen. I'm not going to freeze. You know, it's great. It's almost liberating in a way. It's like, I don't even see how, how I could go back to working slowly. You know, it's, it's the best thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real vicious comic too. I mean, I, I, I read, reread the first three issues and I think you introduced like 18 characters within the first three issues. Um, and it's amazing. It doesn't feel overwhelming, but it's like, wow, you know, you, you got these teams of good guys and bad guys and, you know, it, there's a bunch of stuff going on and it's so much bang for your buck. Um, tons of action and there's a ton of stuff going on. But it was like, I was counting, like, you know, how many characters are named and it's like 18 guys. It just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Creating all those guys was, I mean, awesome. You know, I didn't, I didn't believe it was going to happen until, like, I saw the boxes show up at my doorstep and issue number one was there. Uh, up until then, it was just kind of like a thing I might do. Maybe I'll do it, like, every once in a while. But I, I committed to the monthly thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm not looking back. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's also good to hear that you got a lot of bang for your buck, too, because that's another concern of mine. I want to make this because it is in print. Uh, and people are going out of their way to buy it, you know, and they have to sign on to Etsy and buy it there or through a store. Just the simple fact mm-hmm. that they're purchasing it. That's awesome. That's great. I value that so much. It's a beautiful comic. Well, thanks. Yeah. I also don't want it to feel thin, though, you know, because I feel like I could just concentrate on drawing something, you know, beautiful or whatever and have that uh-huh. be enough, you yeah. know. Um, just like reading... You know, I've been reading uh, the old Todd McFarlane stuff, the Spider-Man, like just to kind of study uh, or revisit. You know, I know those comics inside and out, but just to to see how he did it, how he juggled all those things. And I think he colored one of the issues, too, on a consistent mm-hmm. basis for years, starting from like the Hulk, the Spider-Man to Spawn, um, until he stopped drawing Spawn pretty much. Just consistent, you know, the level of quality was pretty solid. Um, yeah, right. And it's just impressive that those stories are a little thin, a little, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Like, especially the Spidey ones, man, you could really condense that into two issues and they look great. Yeah. So pacing wise, it's good. And the splashes are beautiful, but it's a, it's a little thin. So I'm personally worried about that. So I try to jam pack the thing without it being too clogged, especially with some yeah. of the characters. I mean, you're right. I introduced a bunch of them, but it feels you know, like, you know what it feels like? It feels like, um, almost from that same school like Brandon Graham where I read Cobra and it feels like 
this isn't a universe where there's other comics out there and this stuff's existed and you just feel like this has been going on and you're kind of jumping into it and learning as you go. I mean, you're referencing different guys here and there and, and it's like, oh, I should know this guy or, you know, but it, it doesn't feel overwhelming. And, and actually, it's a book I find I had I read once and then I read it again and I caught things that I either missed on first read or whatever. So it's, it's definitely like something you can reread and, and get even more enjoyment out the second time around. I have to oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. I have to confess, I have not read Copra yet. But the more I look into it, the more it seems like it would be my favorite book of all time. And I really should probably... Jim, the only, the only time you're going to read Copra is when it goes digital, man. Yeah. I know you've given up on print. That's okay. <laughs> Blasphemer. You've burnt all your books, and that's cool. You have a night toward the future. I'm still like a <laughs> Neanderthal playing with rocks and blood. <laughs> that's okay. I'll tell you something, though. You're making me want to reverse my uh, trend. Well, the thing but, is, I mean, I understand digital content absolutely. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting that down. It looks fine. I, I could, I could read longer works on certain computers. Not all, you know. That's a real, uh, it's a real difficulty for me, you know, to sit through like hundreds of pages on a screen. I already stare enough at, at yeah, a I screen completely understand to that. color these things half the time. Uh, but print, man, I don't know. You know, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to force people to love my nostalgia. <laughs> you know, I love old comics. I love newsprint. I love everything about them. And I love feeling them. I love a book, you know. But I think these days, because print is so like, yeah, whatever, it's such a such an afterthought, you know. Uh, it yeah. has to be made that much more special. And that's why I try to have, like, good paper stock. And yeah, the thick have, stock. Have them be, yeah, have them be numbered. Signed and numbered. Yeah, uh, right. This Kelper uh, is numbered. Um, just have like the back covers kind of connect in a weird way in an image that you probably won't get anywhere else. Just something well, I, cool I was, and different, you know. I was gonna say that too. It, it's funny that you mentioned. I was gonna actually just mention that. The other thing about the printed book, and I just noticed after like my third reread, I was reading number three again, and I looked at the back of number three and. Uh, you got two characters. You got the Castillo character and I guess the George character who only appeared for like, you know, a few panels, I think, in issue two or maybe issue yeah. three. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be a big character. I, it didn't, well, it didn't, I didn't even occur to me that these back covers all joined into one image. And I'm looking at the back cover and I always thought they were just kind of. Uh, just recapping something that happened in the book. And I'm like, you know, that character didn't show up in issue three at all. I'm like, why is he on the back cover? It's kind of weird. And then I'm looking at it and I'm like, all of a sudden it just clicked in my head. Oh, these back covers all joined together. So I pulled all them all out and laid them down. And I'm like, oh man, this thing's going to be awesome. Once, you know, once it's completely filled and you're going to see the whole team, I- I'm assuming, you know, right, right, right. There. right. And it's pretty amazing. And, you know, it's something I, I just thought it was a cool little, Easter egg well, that's kind certainly of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't really it's just get like a digital. little thing. Right, well, right, yeah. the, the, the thing about digital, too, is like, um, now you, you could counterpoint all this to digital, and it's not, it's not like I'm saying this against digital or anything, right. but when I think of like a comic and a flip, like the staples in the middle, all that goes into account. It's not arbitrary. It's just sort of like uh, I design the stories and the page turns and the flow and the center spreads, and a double page spread, and the first page, and everything has a purpose, and it was there for a reason. Um, and digital, 
you could have all that, but it's just slightly different, slightly different. And I think the advantage that you cited before where you can like zoom in, I don't think, uh, I don't want to get too lofty about this, but I don't think we should be able to do that. You know, like it's cool and yeah, we should sure let's do that. But maybe the artist didn't want you to zoom in on something. You know, maybe you're supposed to see it at that specific ratio. And I think that's important. And, you know, I love huge books. I would, if I wanted my work to, to be presented that way, I would print it that way or super small mini comics. Uh, I also think you should have the freedom to zoom in on that guy's head stuck in that guy's ass in that Supreme <laughs> comic. I think, yeah. hey, we're all American, right? Uh, we love a head but and for ass. Me, but for me, I just feel like that's the appeal of a comic book, of a of a thing with a spine and staples. Not even a graphic novel, man. I'm just talking about a comic with like a letters page and a cover and just something that's more direct and like personal. Like um, like you're talking to me uh, through this comic. You know, you know what I mean. Like you're getting it from me. Like that's as mm. direct of a connection as you're gonna get. There's no distributor. Sometimes there's not even a retailer involved. You could call me up. You could email me. I try to be on top of it, and that's all part of that experience. And I don't know if that's the future. I'm not concerned with that. I just want to do this now because it's working for me now. And, it, and it, it's exciting for me to do it, you know, to be involved in that sort of thing. Um, digital will have to wait. Like, I'm not saying no to that. I'm not closing the doors. Maybe after the first 12 issues are done, I'm going to give it a shot, you know, and, and have that ready for, like, the next 12 issues. Who knows? I don't know. But, like, this month... Like, this week, I'm just worried about getting the next issue done. <laughs> That's no joke. <laughs> I just want yeah. to get this thing out the door. Uh, and that's it, you know? But one day, Jim, I promise, it's going to be digital. But I have copies if you want. I'm thinking about <laughs> it seriously. I just got to get 15 w- bucks together. I want to do, uh, before we jump too far off that topic, just like uh, praise you again for, you've touched on it, you know, Jim has too, even Craig, but like, when I got my copies of Zagus, because I got that, I haven't had money for Copper, but I'm like all over it as soon as I get some cash. But um, when Zagus came, it was oversized, which I wasn't expecting. And I mean, just being an oversized book is just like, you know, it's bigger than an iPad. You know, already you're getting that like oversized like presentation, you know, already just there. You know, there's one thing it's got. And then really like one of the strengths you have that I really am like excited to see people paying attention to you because I was just like, man, this is an artist that if more people cared about layout for a page or even a double page spread the way that you do, there would be no question that there was still a lot of strength in when you flip the page, you see the overall layout, like all at once, just the, you know, way that the panels work together, repeating visual themes and stuff. Um, I got a Mark Wade digital comic where it was like, uh, 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 what is it? Thrill bent? I want to say it was maybe distributed through thrill bent. It was oh, it's, um... Luther. Was it Luther? It was about the zombie janitor. Oh, guys. that one. Yeah, Luther. Oh, I don't yeah, think. I yeah, Mark Wade didn't write that, but that came through his thrill bent. Uh, thing. Came through thrill bent. Yeah. Well, Luther was cool. I liked what I was seeing. It had some cool flipbook style transitions, but it didn't feel like, oh man, this is the future. This is what we've been waiting for. To me, right. 
it felt like I was really missing the, you know, layout, like the artistry of, because it's a comics, kind of a like a skill that comes, it's really comic centric. I can't even think outside of graphic design too much stuff where an overall layout really matters the way it does in comics. And right, right. Uh, I missed that, you know, reading that Mark Wade thing. I was like, man. And that's what I'm saying is your work really just like works the hell out of a layout. It's awesome. You know, that's oh, it. thanks. Yeah, I think just comics like they're working with so many limitations, you know, so you got to use every advantage you have, you know, even as simple as like uh, a simple thing is like sound effects, you know, that could go such a long way. Now, a silent comic or no thought balloons and all captions, whatever, every decision is important. And, and it could inform the work, you know, ultimately. But I think you've got to use everything you can. And I think a layout is so important. Even if it's just a grid, it could be a solid, like, standard nine-panel grid. Like, you could be Keith Giffen and just do grids for the rest of your life. And that's fine. That's his statement, you know. And hopefully he uses it to great effect. Um, and not Keith Giffen. I should have said Alan Moore, right? He uses that more. He's yeah, Dicko. crazy Dicko owned it. Dicko, <laughs> Kurtzman, Kurtz, let's go way back. Kurtzman owned it. Sorry, I could talk about grids all day, too. <laughs> it's all good. Right. Yeah, but digital, I mean, uh, there's going to be, there's some exciting stuff out there that's really cool, and it's digital, and I think it maybe works better digitally. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, man, I just posted that thing about Tom Scioli, the Satan soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy <laughs> crap. That thing's beautiful. Those colors I don't think will pop as much as they do if they were on paper. Yeah, you know? it's just so spontaneous. And, and just to get a new page a day, you know? I it's mean, so, it's you can't do that, that with thing. print. You can't just print one page and, and, and mail it out, you know? It's kind of neat to be like, oh, here's a new no, page, no. you know? And and I think it worked well with that comic, you know? It's a different platform, and I think comics could coexist, but I think the the trouble that comics have to look forward to is just selling the things, you know? Yeah. Making yeah. enough money to, to pay for themselves, you know? I think Marvel and DC now, I could be wrong, but it's just the other stuff that's making the money, you know, the huge corporations that kind of yeah. fund these things, these huge machines, to just kind of let this little leg of print run just because, I guess, they're just IP farms. I mean, they're yeah. more than that to us, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, in right, the, right. In the world of finance, right. that's important. So I think image is a little different. I think, you know, independent creators are way different. You know, people, you know, people in the small press, there's micro-publishers, they're just printing their own stuff in their living rooms. You know, you can't get mm-hmm. more direct than that. It's exciting, man. And there's people doing really cool shit, like really innovative stuff. And forgive me for cursing so often. I know this is a family show, but I just can't help it. I <laughs> yeah, get all the families that listen to us. Our moms listen to it. That's what you mean. <laughs> just kidding. Mine does. Yeah, no, no one watches the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing. I guess you could also, another connection to the dragon is that uh, that's, you know, I introduce a bunch of characters, I kill some of them off. It's not really real time, but whatever. Right, right. And I know <laughs> you were saying like, I know I'm you were saying right here. <laughs> I know you were saying some of your layouts, like even you feel like you're you're getting influenced by some Lars and stuff. And I, 
I even kind of caught that on three. There's like there's like a panel where I think War is just like beating the crap out of that alien whatever uh, odd dimension guy. And he's got his yeah, like, that was, fist. That was that like my version of the mindless one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just a couple of those panels really kind of I kind of see the the either the Larson influence or just even like just some I just see some Eric Larson in there like just you could tell you know the way the hand is I mean other artists have done it and stuff but since you mentioned you're getting some of that influence you, you see some of it on the fight scenes it's pretty cool well first off I gotta say like whenever I post anything online or anything in the in related to Savage Dragon it has to be related to Savage Dragon somehow I feel yeah. funny if it isn't, you know, and other people yeah. can do it. I don't care. But personally, especially if I'm talking about my own work or if I'm posting about somebody else, I'll try to connect it somehow to like Eric Larson, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so when I did this, I think the connection I drew from it is that I, I'm inspired by his work. I don't know if, uh, Savage Dragon fans, uh, specifically will like Cobra. You know, but I think some of them will. I think there are elements that would appeal to them. And Definitely. as far as art styles go, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a range of things. You know, I think I like Larson. I think he comes from a school of Walt Simonson. I think there's a yeah, lot of Walt yeah. Simonson in there. And yeah. Walt Simonson is my absolute, one of my top three favorite comic book artists. Like, he's insane. Yeah. It's insane yeah. how awesome he is, you know. Um, and it's really difficult for me to not swipe from him just because yeah. that's in my memory, you know, it's in my DNA. I can't get rid of those images, you know, him, Steve Ditko and Jaime Hernandez. Those are the three would, big, strong influences. I was going to um, say Ditko too, especially, I mean, with that character you have in there, Vin, who's kind of like a Dr. Strange type character, mm-hmm. even kind of resembles him a little bit, but even just like blows my mind whenever you do like these trippy, like magic scenes with like, you know, Vin is, uh, Vincent, I guess, is uh, uh, you know, got these like crazy panels and geometric shapes flying out of his hands, and it's uh, yeah, yeah. it's very Ditko-ish, but it's very your style. I mean, it's 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 amazing and it's cool. It's there's a lot of trippy, weird things going on in this. Like, you know, uh, uh, what's uh, what's the one guy that's having a parade? He's like a, a Count Compota, is that what? Who oh was? yeah, Count his Compota. eyes kind of right. Yeah, his eyes kind of spin. He, he looks like he's getting a little pissed off. His like mask glows, and his eyes do this weird spin thing. And it's like, wow, it's it's just kind of neat and trippy. It's like I want to know more about this guy, you know? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he he there's plenty of stories left uh, with yeah. those dudes. Yeah, that's, I, that's just the fun thing about being a team. What go on? No, I was just going to say, it's just, you know, these things that you can only do in the comics medium that work like that, that kind of a kind of cool, like it just wouldn't look maybe in a movie or something like that, but it just looks damn cool in comics. Like, like I was saying, like, you know, Vincent with his magic spells and the weird grids coming out of his hands and just, it's yeah. just, it's, it's a perfect medium for this kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah, I also think that making it monthly is part of the uh, important part, you know, between the dialogue of like yeah. of the readers and I. You know, I think it needs to be kind of immediate and feel like you know, uh, kind of like feverish in a way, uh, right. where I just had to get, I just, I got it off the boards into your hands, guys. You know, I felt like that was important because some comics have that feeling. And man, you can't get that from anywhere else 
I mean, unless you see a play, maybe, or a band or something. But those mediums aren't comparable, you know. Comics is comics, you know. Like, right. maybe you get that from an article that you just read that someone just blogged about, but, you know, that's different. I mean, I feel like I'm splitting hairs now with this stuff. But <laughs> No, we totally understand. We've talked about, like, you know, comics, the strength of the medium, and how a really good comic, Alan Moore is kind of going that's like his whole thing is to write comics that don't translate into film. Right. Kind of right. Why he's catching a lot of flack, you know, but a good comic that is a comic, that's kind of what you do. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so weird. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was going to say I'm an Alan Moore apologist. I'm not at all. That guy doesn't need me to apologize for shit. That guy's a genius. <laughs> that guy's great. He knows how to write a comic book better than anyone, you know? Like, he knows the structure of a comic. Sure, whatever, you could have, you know, you could have trouble with, like, his stories or whatever, his themes, or, you know, I think John Byrne once said that he's never created anything in his life. It's all just riff on something, whatever. It's all horseshit, right? The guy's awesome. <laughs> Alan Moore's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he knows that when he's writing a comic book, it's a comic book. And sure, he's going to load the text, like, a 45-page a script for two panels. I don't care. It's an <laughs> awesome page, man. It's awesome, you know? Right. And, right. and he writes it with heart, you know? Like, who else could say that, even his imitators, you know? It's like, that's right. why they don't reach that level, because he did it with heart, and he does it. You know, he still does it, you know? That guy doesn't ever have to write comic books in his life, but he still does it because he loves it. You know? Definitely. I gotta ask Hey, we all love comics, quick. man. Before we jump off anything else, I'm looking at your pages. One of the other things I really love, is that, like, natural media? Like, you're not Photoshopping this? Uh, it's a mix. It's a mix of stuff, okay. so I don't know what you're looking at. If it's anything super flat and, and and it's a large space, like, say, the covers, all the backdrops on the covers are flat color. Right. I'm looking at Copra, and I'm looking at, like, just sort of the way it almost looks like colored pencil. I don't know, Conte crayon, something. Texture. It's it's mostly color pencils okay. and some watercolor and uh, some paint and lots of pencil. Like I shade with pencil and stuff, and I add little details. And uh, the way I work is um, on the board. I work ten by sixteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I shrink it. You know, I scale it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do everything on the boards. I letter on the boards. I I pencil really loosely, so I mostly draw when I ink. And I color on the board, so the originals are colored mostly. But then I fill in some, color, you know, spots here and there. How long you know, does it take you to make one of these issues? I mean, is it taking you almost like the whole month? Like, are you like right at the the lot, like right at the end of the, you know, the month before you're, you're yeah. getting this out? Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes me, it yeah. takes me a month. But it's also not only making it, but I also have to. Manage the printer and just do the online stuff and manage the Etsy store and fulfill orders and stuff envelopes and do all that stuff, you know. And I mean, then you're, the you're lettering all these. You're, 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 you color, pencil, ink, letter. I mean, you're doing everything, right? I mean. Yes. Yeah. Man. That is amazing fantastic. to me that, I mean, and some, like, you know, we we're talking about the layouts and how intense they are. And like, like I was saying, with the scenes with like, you know, the magic being used or whatever with all the, the grids. It's like, I can't imagine getting this all out in a month by yourself and doing all the background kind of administrative, getting, you know, mailing everything out and stuff. I mean, 
You afraid I, you're going to burn out from doing this? or I was going to just throw in there real quick on the craft thing. I mean, don't lose the burnout thing because I'm definitely thinking that. But like hand lettering, my hand cramps so yeah. bad if I try it. I had to quit years ago. But it looks oh, great. God, really? I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just uh, saying, I'm looking at your pages and they look, I love the hand lettering. Yeah. I hate to say it. I'm going to burn out, man. I'm going to burn out tonight, I think. It's over. <laughs> Fuck comics. No, I mean, it's, just... it's manageable. It's, it was a little daunting at first, but mm-hmm. it's not, man. I mean, you just got to, I mean, it's all about um, scheduling, you know, just sitting down and getting through it and cutting corners. And not in a bad way. I don't mean like bad shortcuts, you know, like an all silhouette issue or something like that, you know. <laughs> right, right. Or, or like, uh, you know, that like an all-white issue like that old Alpha Flight comic. You know, nothing like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but it's just about, you know, just being confident in your decision, not being precious about it, which I was super precious about everything in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, I, I, I write the script longhand, and then I just kind of letter it, and I edit it as I go along. And I mm-hmm. don't do layouts unless until the last minute and then I pencil it loosely, and then I just draw it. And half those layouts, I just kind of come up with that morning, you know? And as it is, I just, um, I kind of draw three to four pages a day, from pencils to inks. Wow. Um, And it it bounces out. If it's a page that demands a lot of detail, I just concentrate on that, and maybe I'll do one more page that day. If it's a pretty simple page, I could cram maybe five into it, you know? Uh, if I don't want to eat that day, you know, I'll just like cram it out. You know, I'll just sit and do it and not go online, you know, not mess around, uh, not take breaks, you know, just kind of sit there and do it. And thankfully I like what I do. Otherwise, you know, if I was drawing somebody else's story for no money, I'd be like, what am I doing with my life, man? Breaking my back for this stuff. (laughs) But I'd love that this is my stuff. This is my comic, you know? So, Of course I'm going to do that. Of course I'm going to put in extra hours for this stuff, you know? Right. I mean, luckily, uh, uh, my schedule is, is good at, at the home, you know? It doesn't, right. doesn't drive anyone crazy, you know? Like, I'm up all night drawing, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes uh, it, it could be a rough week of just me, like, cabin fever, like, insane. Like, oh, here's the issue, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> But I think the results are worth it. I think it's a cool thing. Definitely, definitely. And I'm glad, glad you guys think you. so too, <laughs> or two of you at least. <laughs> uh, I won't say you, which is the other one. <laughs> do you have um, a planned ending? Like, do you like I'm going to do 12 issues and take a break, or is this I'm just going to keep going and see where it takes me? I want to do 12. There's an oh. ending, you know. Okay. Um, but I do. But it's—I don't want to say open-ended, but I could continue if I want to, and I think I want to, because the mm-hmm. more I write these characters, the more I want to tell stories with them, mm-hmm. uh, and just dedicate entire issues to just one character. You know, I would love to right. do that, and I don't think I could do that. You know, with the real estate of twelve issues. Um, I'm also thinking about trades, man. I don't know. I mean, I hope it's collected, or maybe not. Maybe they're only going to live in issue form. Uh, so, because I'm not really thinking about all of it at once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if it's all collected, hopefully it'll be a good read and I want there to be closure, but I kind of want there to be more, 
you know. I don't know how much more. It could be three more issues, or it could be another 12, or it could be another who knows. Uh, We'll see what the mileage is on that. Do as much as you can, man. I mean, no shit. I'm sorry, but, like, I'm looking at, like, just looking at your stuff, uh, just, I don't know. I'm a nerd for it. It's the craftsmanship. It's the layouts. We need as much from you as we can. (laughs) You're too kind, Raven Perez. I am. Too kind. But it's okay, you've earned it, so it's not really too kind. <laughs> Just make, I want to see, but like, I wanted like 20 years later when you're doing like Copra 200 and you're all tired and hate life, I want to be like, here's to the next 200. <laughs> uh, I'll probably be uh, asking you guys for like plot ideas to see what the next big event I can do is, if I'm lucky. Bring back my, Jimbo the, the Mighty Lobster. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'll do that. I'll do my bootleg version of Jimbo. Man, it's too bad. That I, did that guy die? One of you guys said he died or something. Craig, or, well, we looked it up, it. and it seemed like he may have passed away. Can't confirm it, but some some of those like searches where you, you know, if you pay us a hundred dollars more, we'll give you all the information, kind of a deal. But from what what we could gleam, or I could gleam, was it seems like he may have passed away. I just feel, I mean, that would be unfortunate. That's sad and weird. And, you yeah. know, just that he has this history with readers. Um, but I was I was thinking, man, Eric could just do it anyway. Who's going to notice? Yeah. Like, especially if the guy's, if the guy's so for, difficult to track down, he's not He's not reading comics. He's not in the game anymore. Like, right. he's, he's, he used to be a reader. He cranked out a character when he was nine years old, and that was, it was over. That's <laughs> it. He probably didn't even see the finished product. You know? For listeners who don't know, we're talking about the creator of Jimbo, the Mighty Lobster. Who was what? What issue was that? Like nine or? That was nine. nine. Yeah, where Eric did the contest, and so we've never heard from this guy again after his character won. And it's like a lot of people always request from Eric, you know, to bring Jimbo back, and he's like, "Sorry, don't own him." What's weird yeah. is just like that USA cartoon, Jimbo seems to be one of those memories that people bring up. If they've yeah. not been yeah. looking a long time. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't that great of a character. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> Be honest. No, no not, really. not really. It was like a Popeye lobster. Exactly. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. Mouth. With a dirty I mean, mouth. I think he looks cool, but come on. <laughs> yeah. But that'd be awesome if you brought him back. If Eric just said, fuck it. Or just tweaked it a little bit, you know? It's yeah. sad Maybe that amputated his... one of his arms. <laughs> it's sad that his creator being dead is the only explanation the that case. makes sense. <laughs> if that is the case, it's the only reason this guy has been silent for years. Yeah, we are clearly Eric Larson comics readers. <laughs> that's the most romantic conclusion, is that he's dead, and we hope he's dead because that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen Dart with her head blown out by a fucking fist with a shark head. A guy who has a head for... Oh, well, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> this is real inside baseball right here. Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, that contest, man, I was in that contest. I submitted many crappy characters to that contest. Did you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they were promptly thrown away with the rest of the garbage submissions. But, uh-huh. man, I remember doing, uh, you know, inspired by, by the rush of uh, Savage Dragon characters like all at once, you know, I was like, I'm going to create my own roster of heroes. And I did like nine huge drawings 
of like crap characters that I made up like the night before thinking that, yeah. you know, like in this Jack Kirby thing, you know, um, Nah, I never heard back from them, and I shouldn't. You know, I should have kept them. I think I sent originals because I was stupid. Uh, it would have been nice to see you post <laughs> them on your. Uh, put a put a but I was kind of, Copra. Oh my god! If I could remember them, they're so memorable, Jim. Can you even remember <laughs> one right now? <laughs> no, I know one of them had a skirt because he was supposed to be like a god or something. <laughs> Maybe someone had a bow like Donatello from the Ninja Turtles. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't want to yeah, think they, about it. It's funny. It's my fault. I, I, I brought up this memory. I think that was such a headache for Eric Larson to do that too. I remember in the Josh Icorn interview where he's like, Josh was just uh, was talking about how everyone sent their characters in and tied them in with Dragon's history, and it's like, what are you thinking? Your character, you know what I mean? Like, don't tie them in with, you know, the Dragon history or something. Like, like yeah, that. That, was, that was pretty. That, that was dumb. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure that Josh Icorn uh, touched my comics. Touched my my artwork and ripped it up. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I have the feeling in my he gut. He might have drooled on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I hope I, I get Josh to read uh, Copper. I, I hope Copper is the comic that brings him back into comics, man. That's yeah, awesome. right, right. I'm gonna have to hit him up. <laughs> so but I mean, anyway. we talked a, we talked a lot about Copper, but um, just for our listeners who. You know, after listening to this, I mean, I can't see why you wouldn't run out and go buy it. But um, Michelle's uh, uh, website is—it's uh, just your name. It's Michelle Fife, M-I-C-H-E-L-F-I-F-F-E dot com. So right. I urge you guys to run and, and go uh, hit up the website. And from the website, you can buy his uh, Cop- Copra Comics in uh, Zegas, I believe, right? Yep. They don't even have to run. They could just click and they could just buy go. it and it's done. So it's a it's an Etsy store actually. It's it's a shared Etsy site um, that I share with Kat Roberts mm-hmm. of the aforementioned Blum Angel story. And oh, she sold right, stuff right, there yeah. too, like prints and handmade necklaces and stuff. So if you want to get your girlfriends any gifts, you know, feel free. Uh, that's the cool thing about Etsy too. It's like a different readership almost. It's just, just a new pool of customers. You know, not the same mm-hmm. as customers, but you know, people that are gonna discover your work and come back to it, revisit it, and, you know, really enjoy it. So that's been really cool. But I mean, signing up for Etsy, it's just like signing on for like Amazon or something. You know, it's like another thing you have an account for. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. It's free to join, and you can just you know. Just browse, just check it out. Or if I see you at a convention, just stop on by. Be awesome to meet anyone, anyone you guys. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you? And have on any, your website, do you have any conventions uh-huh. coming up? Uh, the only one I was going to go to Stumptown. I can't do it this year, unfortunately. That's one in Portland, but I do suggest that show to anyone that lives in the area. That's Stumptown in Portland, Oregon. But the one I am going to is Mocha, and that's here in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's April sixth and seventh. I, I just I just missed you in Philly. Were you in Philly like last Where month? Where were you? Oh I yeah, live, I was at I the live in Philly. Festival. I for some reason didn't know. I live in Philly. I live right near the art museum. I, I'm like ten minutes away from where you were, and oh, I didn't man. find out about it until like a week later, and I was pissed because <laughs> there was a couple of people there I wanted to see. Wasn't uh, Tom Shirley there? Or he was there? Yeah. <sighs> He was, was there. So um, 
uh, God, there's so many people there. But uh, I think Brendan Graham was supposed to be there, and he really he backed out last minute. Yeah, uh, but it was still a good show. It was still uh, yeah, yeah that you I, missed. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, like all I would do is you know take a bus for ten minutes, and I'd have been there, and and just like that's crazy. I probably was you know, doing I'm... nothing but watching like TV or hanging out, you know. <laughs> And I could have been at the Super Awesome event. And... Man, it was a cool little show, too. I think uh, the guys from the Locust Moon comic store picked up the festival from last year, and they made it into their own thing. But I've always wanted to go to Philly. I've never gone, and this was mm-hmm. a perfect opportunity. And they were nice enough to like have a table you know, available. And, of course, it was, it's like an hour drive from where I am yeah. at. So it was really cool. Please come back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Raven, uh, you're in Pittsburgh now, right? I am. So the Pittsburgh crew was there. Jim Rugg, Jason Weiss, they were all there. Uh, yeah, did you hang Tom's out with them much too, at all? Or no? no, what's so funny and scary and exciting and wonderful is that I know all these characters and uh, appreciate and admire their work. And I, after moving to Pittsburgh, I was in like the total throes of like creating my book and its Kickstarter. And that went all the way up to December. And now my life, post-December has been nothing but, like, fulfilling the rewards and all the obligations. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I, I've been this bizarre, like, hermit. I don't leave the house. I, like, when it snows, I just laugh. Come and get right. me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to, like, cut my hair because I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, of it, course. That's, that's a perk. For sure. And I am dying to like, you know, I'm not going to even be so bold as to say hang out, but I would love to just like pick those guys' brains, hang out. Um, it's even like uh, Jim Shooter seems to be readily available. Don Simpson teaches here locally. It's crazy. That's that why is I, nuts. I had no idea Shooter was there. It's nuts. I don't know if he's there, but like he's just always seems to be about. <laughs> you see, you're in the from Pittsburgh. Who? I know Shooter is from Pittsburgh. I don't know if he went back. That's that'd be interesting to hang out with him. You should hit him up. Super small little show here. I shouldn't say that. That you know that's insulting. He was at a smaller event, not a giant con. Mm-hmm. And he was there. Yeah, a local show. Yeah, just a local show, just a one day thing, and he was there. Yeah. So I think he's from this area. Like this is Gotham City. It's weird. There's a lot of co- awesome talent here, and I'm dying to like meet him. I've just been. I'm living in a world of like <laughs> emails and inboxes, painting right. dunnies all day. Yeah, definitely. right. It's getting intense. <laughs> Dude, well, congratulations on the book. It's great news. Thank you, sir. Print. Not the book, the project. You know, I'm looking forward to the book. I can't wait to get it in my hands. I can't wait. Same here. Same here. A cry. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I think about print is really it's it's funny just like I so you went from web to like you were like print I got to self publish I mean it's funny because I tell people I was like well you know this was always made designed to be a book like page flips right. everything the print right. always been to be a book and like right so, right I don't take advantage of digital at all like I'm like very draconian and uh, I'm just telling people I'm like guys you know. You enjoy it, thank you. That's awesome. Wait till you read it as a book. You're just gonna yeah, right, right. I almost did web comics just because I had no other choice. I mean, it was either that or just making like hand stapling mini comics that no one was gonna read ever. You know, 
um, webcomics was like, there was a sort of immediate exposure and feedback from people. It was great, you know? Yeah. This was like back in, I don't know, when LiveJournal, you know, when we all had LiveJournal accounts and stuff. There was just a, a, a community that was awesome, you know? And that's what I really liked about it. But when I was posting the actual art, that was always like, oh, but this is going to be for my book. This is going to be for the comic that's going to print. And luckily, never print half of it, you know? <laughs> right. Because that's yeah. all old stuff, man. Seriously. <laughs> Craig, you said you had those old brawls? The old, the old what? Do you want the old brawl comics? Yeah, yeah. Do you want me... Why don't you mail them to me so I could rip them up? Do you want to rip them up? Sorry, <laughs> I, have to, sorry, I, have I, I mean them sign them. As, yeah. <laughs> Let me autograph them for you. Well, maybe You'll get I can back, bribe you. Maybe I can bribe you for like the next issue of Copra for free or I'm going to publish page by page each day oh, on God. to the internet. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so uh, you seriously hate it that much, huh? Yeah, is, is that, just, I, I, the, I, I have mixed feelings. I, yeah. I, there's a fondness for the material. It could be a little better, whatever. I'm just like, I feel that way about like, I don't know, Vegas sometimes, you know? I feel that way about like, Cobra number three that sometimes, you know, not so much because this is going by too quickly for me to get, you know, too, too inverted. But yeah, I just, I'm very, I'm my own self critic. I mean, that's the biggest fucking cliche you could say when you're an artist. It's but, true. It's true. But it's true. It's like, I hate that stuff. I can't look at that stuff. Well, I all artists with... are crazy. This is what I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially with Copra though, if you're going to go month by month, you got to just get them out and don't look back. I mean, I, yeah, there's just there's no time for self reflection, which is awesome. Yeah, that that's the awesome part. I mean, not every issue is gonna be the greatest issue, but you know, you keep going. I found you know, Savage Dragon's my favorite comic, but I'm not afraid to you know when we do these interviews or, or reviews to knock an issue or something if I didn't like it. I mean, not everything's gonna stick, but overall, you know, it's gonna be a great series. I mean, I, I haven't. I don't know. Every issue of the issue. Punisher in the '80s was pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> just kept getting better, you know. Oh my God, Will Fortescue was on that. Holy crap, he killed it. And then Eric Larson. I know he hates that, but I'm sorry. Having a raccoon stuck in your jacket and then throwing it at someone <laughs> with like running a pseudo Nazi karate camp in the middle of nowhere. That's come on, man. That's comic. <laughs> is uh so is your uh, Castillo character a nod to Frank Castle or? Oh hell yeah, yeah. His name is Francis Castillo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Yeah, but my Punisher is like an old, ugly man, the way he should be, not some hot shot with a goatee. Is that crap? Yeah, but you know, you, you look on. at Larson, Larson's version of the Punisher. He made him really kind of... Yeah, he made him with those little triangles and stuff. Man, I love that. Yeah, stuff. kind of looks like a an old Clint Eastwood or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. He looks like the old Ross Andrew version, you know, yeah, like that yeah. widow's peak and just that weird jaw. That's yeah. awesome. I remember, man, I remember that was the first Larson comic I got, man, 331. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was great. I was listening to Lisa Stansfield on MTV in the background. It's fucking great. <laughs> I, was, I think I was eating, like, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's awesome. Larson, Larson you ruined my life. Jesus. It's a religious moment. You, you have oh, every man. detail. Yeah, as every I, comic should be. It's funny though, like that you say that because I remember like my first real Larson comic that I was like it clicked with me was the 
it was like 330 something with the vulture when it was like part of that sinister six storyline with the vulture oh, yeah. on the cover yeah and when he's I hanging when he's uh dragging that mummy through the air yeah and i was on my uncle's not mummy like, not mummy fishing. a dummy no yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like your pinkish cover or something like that. I don't know, but he's like, you know, it's the vulture on the front. Like, I think I don't know. It's three thirty something or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I went back parts. and bought. Yeah, but I, I was on my like uncle's like fishing boat, and I brought a bunch of comics I bought from like the supermarket with me. I wasn't really into collecting comics. I'd just like get them here and there, just to keep me entertained. Yeah. And, yeah. I just was like an epiphany. It was like, oh my God, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. And I went back and like, I think I started with like 3.30 after reading that one. I went back and got 3.30 up. And then and from then on was like a lifelong Larson fan, just followed it everywhere. And I don't know oh, what yeah. it was that clicked so much, but listening to you and, and how, you know, it affected you, it, it you know, it, it just brings back how it affected me and i don't know what it is no other artist has done it to that effect as as larson did with, with that issue but um yeah it's just it's funny that you know you can close your eyes or whatever and visualize where you are where you were when you picked up you know 330 or 331 or whatever you, you, know, you oh man yeah absolutely and i mean it's led you here you're running a podcast <laughs> Yeah, about yeah. his work, you know, that's awesome. I mean, that's like you're putting this out in the world. I think you guys are doing a public service. It's awesome. <laughs> in a lot of the ways, we feel like culture astronauts. You know, sure, that's a, that's a good spin. We're going to discover look, bold new realities. I know. No, we've, if uh, you really want to be, if you really want to be a culture astronaut, you got to get Vic Bridges in here. You got to have him explain everything to you guys. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> That would be great. Just like, what Someday. the hell happened, man? You came back, and then you left, and then you came back again, and then you left? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to hear him speak. He had a higher calling or something. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. Then he came back to do a couple of backups. That's cool. I'm into that. <laughs> anyway, guys, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's been. this has been Definitely. great. Thanks for coming on. And of course. I hope, uh, hope we see a lot more from you, good sir. Of course, yeah, I'm not going away. <laughs> Work until we'll you looking, die. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to the monthly uh, Cobra issues. And Do you got any more uh, uh, Zegas down the pipeline, or is that kind of on hold until you get you know, some Cobra out of the way? Or I, I got some Zegas coming out soon, as soon as I find the time, you know, what yeah, is in there yeah. somehow. But yeah, I got some stuff coming out. Cool. Awesome. Somehow, Thanks. somehow it'll get done. <laughs> Yeah, well, keep us in the loop of what's going on, you know, and uh, we'd love to have course, you on yeah. for your next big project, and uh, we look forward to uh, reading your books. Cool, yeah, I'll talk to you guys uh, around issue 200. Deal? Fantastic. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks. All right, Raven, Craig, Jim, it was a pleasure. Thank you, All right, sir. take care. Thank you. Right. Take care, guys. Bye. See ya. So that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, this has been a pretty good episode, I think. Uh, it was a gr- pretty yeah. great interview. I had a great time talking yeah. comics with uh, Michelle. Definitely. So, uh, hope you can join us again, for sure. Um, next time, we aren't entirely sure of what we're planning. We're either going to be, of course, reviewing Savage Dragon 185, which we do not yet have a street date on, but should be out within the next few weeks. 
uh, we hope. Um, what do we know about that issue? It's the verdict. Savage Dragon is on trial for crimes he committed when he had reverted to his Emperor persona. persona. Now the world is his witness as the shocking verdict is read. Meanwhile, Malcolm Dragon has troubles of his own. Thunderhead and Double Page comes with our highest recommendation. I think I just read the wrong thing, didn't I? No, that's right. That's it? No, no that's the verdict. I, I'm actually surprised it's called the verdict because that means this is going to be a very short. So Double Page comes back, I guess, again. with. I, that's, that, I was just thinking that myself. Uh, maybe maybe she escapes after Net Malcolm knocked her out this issue. Yeah. Huh? All right. Well, uh, I there guess you we'll go. find out what that means. So we'll, we'll, either, we'll either be doing that or uh, I'm looking or maybe, forward to – go ahead. Or maybe it went through a rewrite and she wound up in this issue and not next issue. Yeah, who knows? Because he, uh, he does it so far in advance. Right, right. So yeah, either we're going to be uh, reviewing that or we're going to be interviewing Gary Carlson, which uh, either way we're going to have a good time doing. So um, we'll see what happens when we get there. I wonder if 185 is going to have a backup of any sort, because we're all done with Vanguard at this point. I wonder if there's any plans. Oh, I think it'll be a surprise. It will be, so we'll, we'll see. So yeah, next time, either review or interview, or both. I mean, we did that this time, so who knows? Either way, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, be uh, yes, that, yes. <laughs> so long. The Savage Fincast is a part of the Gutter Trash Network and the Image Addiction family of podcasts. It can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net or imageaddiction.net.